Welcome to Know Your Bible, a program presented by the Churches of Christ and devoted to helping you understand God's Word. The Bible is a book inspired by God, and it contains answers to your questions. The Bible reveals Jesus and explains His sacrifice, it contains God's plan for the family, and timeless principles of parenting. It also has the truth about life and death. The Bible contains great financial advice and also answers questions of morality. Join us as we look for answers to your questions and help you know your Bible. Welcome back to Know Your Bible. Glad that you've joined us today. Hope that you're ready to learn a bit more about your Bible because that's all we do for 30 minutes is answer Bible questions. We take them from our viewers. You'll see a phone number and a website on the screen there. You can use those anytime to get in touch with us and give us a question, something you've always wondered about the Bible, maybe something you've heard that you think, I don't think that could be in the Bible. Uh, we'll check it out for you. Maybe something in your life, uh, something going on in your family that you wonder, uh, how would the Bible say to deal with this? We'll be happy to try to find a biblical principle for you and give you an answer from the Bible, and hopefully we'll all learn a little bit about our Bible. So that's the way we work. You direct the program. We answer your questions. When I say we, I mean me, Steve Tandy, and my partner, Toby Levering. Good morning, Toby. Hi, Steve. Glad you're here and ready to go. Uh, we've got some really interesting ones coming up, but uh, we always start with one for our viewers. So here's yours for the day. First five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Who wrote those five books? And we'll give you an answer when we get to the end of the program. See if you know that bit of Bible info. Looks like I drew the first one, and it's, uh, viewers heard something about an apostle that got cut in half. Uh, kind of a gory question, but the viewer wants to know that really happened. Uh, well, I can't say it did. There is a tradition that one of the apostles at least was cut in half. Simon the Zealot is one of the traditions. Uh, let me back up just a little bit. The Bible doesn't say what happened to all of the apostles. We know about a few of them, but not all of them. Uh, so there have been traditions grown up, and some of them may be true, and some of them may be not. But uh, Simon the Zealot was, one tradition says he was crucified. Another tradition says he was axed in half. Uh, we don't know which one's true or if either one's true. Uh, such brutality back in those days uh, was common. That's the way they did things back then, although it seems horrible to us. Uh, I can't say if Simon or any apostles cut in half. I can tell you that some Christians were. Uh, some saints were cut in half. Uh, and I've got a verse to prove that. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 11. Uh, the writer of Hebrews is talking about the heroes of faith. And then he says, and then there were lots of them that were persecuted. And he uh, gives us some examples. He says, some faced jeers and flogging, while still others were chained and put in prison. They were stoned, they were sawed in two, they were put to death by the sword. So the writer of Hebrews just lists a few things uh, that happened to people of God being persecuted over the centuries. And he does mention that some of them were sawed in two. So, yes, that was one 
means of persecution, burning at the stake, all sorts of things that uh, sound awfully barbaric to us today, but uh, kind of barbaric times back then. Uh, that's how they treated some Christians. So, yes. All right. The next question is, uh, if you're wants to know a little different question, explain a concordance. <laughs> we do get a variety of questions uh, and how it helps in studying the Bible. Uh, concordance is simply a tool. Some people have referred to it as a verbal, or as, a, as a word index. It simply has every single word in the Bible, and those words are organized alphabetically. So it allows you to search for verses and scriptures by word. This is really helpful if you're studying a topic. Uh, maybe you wanted to uh, look at the word uh, family in the Bible, and you could look it up and see all the different times the word family or a variation of that word happens in Scripture. Um, there are lots of different uh, concordances. Some Bibles have concordances in the back. Uh, I used to have a study Bible that had a concordance. It was very helpful as I was a new Christian with no Bible experience, so it helped me navigate and find where Scripture talked about those particular, or if I knew where a verse was in there, but I couldn't think of where exactly, the, know exactly the, where to find it. I could look it up. If I knew a word, I could usually go to that word and find that scripture. So very helpful if you're looking for a particular word or phrase or verse or topic. Uh, also useful if you're trying to just deepen your study and your knowledge of Scripture. Uh, of course, the concordance that you find in the back of your Bible is not as exhaustive. It doesn't have all of the words. You can get exhaustive concordances, and they're this thick. I mean, they are uh, massive. Of course, online, there's many good tools that expedite that process and several good online concordances. Uh, I always uh, uh, recommend um, Bible Gateway. Uh, as a tool to use if you're searching for a certain word or topic. So that's a good one as well. But that's a concordance, and that's how it helps work. Well, we use it a lot on this program when we're researching our answers to your questions. So a uh, good question, and glad that you're studying your Bible. All right. Got the animals in heaven question again. We get that quite often, but this viewer's added a little something. Do animals go to heaven? I've heard that they cross the rainbow bridge and meet God. All right. Uh, the traditional answer to do animals go to heaven is the Bible doesn't say so. Uh, the Bible says that man is different than all the rest of creation. Uh, Genesis 1, 27, Genesis 2, 7, uh, man is different. Man, God breathed into him uh, and he became a living soul. So it doesn't say that about the animal world. The animal kingdom doesn't say they have souls. Uh, that's the eternal part of us. There's a physical part of us, just like there's a physical part of animals. And then we have a soul that the Bible doesn't say animals do. Uh, so the traditional answer is there's no proof animals would go to heaven. Uh, now that upsets some folks because they love their pets so much that they can't imagine being happy in heaven without Fido. So they don't like that answer. Uh, I'm not saying I know if animals go to heaven. I'm just saying the Bible doesn't indicate that they do. But this viewer asked, okay, I've heard that there's a rainbow bridge. 
uh, that animals go across. And I'll admit I had never heard of the Rainbow Bridge until we got this question, so I looked it up, and sure enough, there's a poem out there that some pet lover wrote uh, to console people who had lost their pet. And that's a very nice poem, very sweet and very touching. Uh, and it basically says, if I can condense it for you, uh, that when a pet dies, it goes to this beautiful meadow that's just this side of heaven, and they wait there, and they've got everything they need, food and water and a place to play in this beautiful meadow, and they wait there until their master dies, and when their master dies, the master shows up and they walk across the rainbow bridge into heaven together. Now, that's a sweet story. Uh, it's fiction, but uh, if it gives somebody some comfort, uh, I suppose there's no harm in it, and if animals get to heaven, that's fine with me, uh, but uh, the Bible doesn't indicate there's any, <laughs> nothing to say they do, so that's all we can answer on that one. All right, studying the Bible's an interesting thing, whether there's a rainbow bridge in it or not, it's still interesting, and we advocate home Bible study, so we try to give you a way to do that and help you get started. Uh, we've got some tools that we'll provide for you absolutely free of charge, a great way to learn about the Bible. So if you want to study the Bible, we've got some things we'll send you in the mail. Here's the first course. Uh, there's eight lessons in it. starts with the Old Testament, the New Testament that Toby talked about last week. you got to understand that difference. And then we've got some more advanced courses that study the life of Christ, the book of Acts, uh, how we got our Bible, lots of interesting things that you can learn about the Bible. And we can keep you studying the Bible for a long time with Know Your Bible Study tools. Uh, a lot of people have done that, thousands of folks, but we've recently added a new way to study. If you like online studies, we've got one of those for you. So log on to oneway.worldbibleschool.org, and we'll get you started on a course you can just sit down with your phone or your tablet and study away learn the bible so use the phone number of the website at the bottom of the screen tell us you'd like that free course or log on to oneway.worldbibleschool.org get you started studying the bible next question is a where in the bible question and we get those from time to time where in the bible does it say you have to be baptized well we get a lot of questions about baptism, so this morning I'm just going to give you several scriptures that talk about uh, the need for being baptized, and uh, let's look at a few of those together. First, starting in Mark chapter 16, verse 16, Jesus says, Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. Yeah, you got to believe in Jesus and trust and do what he says. He said to be baptized. Galatians chapter 3, verse 26 and 27, Paul writes to the church at Galatia, So in Christ G Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. Uh, then in uh, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 21, Peter writes, This water symbolizes baptism. He's talking about the flood. This water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also. 
and not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a clear conscience toward God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And Peter's very clear. Baptism is the point as uh, where salvation happens. Uh, there's no magic in the water, but it's the point where we're truly trusting Christ and doing what he said to do. And it saves us, of course, by the power of the resurrection. And Acts chapter 22, 16, the, Paul, uh, the question that was posed to Paul when he was not called Paul, but Saul. And now, what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, and wash your sins away, calling on his name. Uh, and that's the hem of the garment in terms of baptism verses in the Bible. There are just so many in the New Testament that speak of the need for baptism. And your question was, does it say you have to be baptized? Well, I suppose in one sense, uh, yes, you do have to be baptized according to Jesus and Paul and Peter. But in another sense, uh, he, they've left that choice up to you. Uh, they they won't force you. And they, they, if if it was a matter of that, uh, we could just you know uh, force people get a big enough person and force them into the water. But that's not what baptism's about. It's about a person choosing to trust Jesus and do what He said to do. So there are many more scriptures. A couple more. If you're interested in reading at home, read Acts chapter two verses thirty seven through thirty nine, and also Romans chapter six uh, verses one through five. I hope those help you in your study. The Bible is very clear. Baptism is absolutely necessary as a part of faith in Christ. hope that's helpful to you. We do get a lot of baptism questions. In fact, we get, get so many that uh, next week we're going to do a special theme show and cover a lot of the questions that we get about baptism. Uh, we do that every once in a while on a topic that's popular, and hopefully that will uh, be something you might want to tune in for. We'll answer as many frequent questions as we can about baptism. Alright, viewer wants to know about the flood. Why did God destroy the earth with a flood? Well, the short answer is the earth was so messed up uh, that God decided he would start over. Uh, that's the short answer. Uh, to g give any more answer than that, all I can do is explain how messed up the world was. So I looked up a few verses that uh, talk about prior to the flood, and let's just read those, and maybe that'll help you understand why God did what He did. Uh, in Genesis chapter, this is all in Genesis chapter six, right before the flood. Uh, verse five says, "The wickedness of man was great in the earth." Verse five also says, "Every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually." Uh, that's all people thought of, was ways to do evil. Verse 11, the earth was filled with violence. Verse 12, the earth was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. Uh, that's how bad things were. God looked down, and mankind had chosen the wrong way so many times that now all he did was think of ways to do evil. Uh, Every thought he had was, what can I do wrong next? It was corrupt. The wickedness was great. And God looked down, and Noah and his family were the righteous people left. And God decided in his ultimate wisdom that I'm going to start over. I'm going to give Noah and his family a chance here uh, to start a, on a new earth, if you will. So that's why he did it. Uh, like we always say, why God did things is always a difficult, difficult question. Well, it's not difficult. It's impossible uh, for us to explain why God does something. But those are the reasons he gave us. The earth was so wicked, he decided to start over.
take this moment and invite you to visit the Church of Christ. Uh, we are kept on the air by Churches of Christ and produced by the Churches of Christ. So we like to mention some each week. To, uh, occasionally we mention the home church of Know Your Bible. That's uh, so one I'm going to mention today, the Northside Church of Christ in Wichita, Kansas. Uh, a great group of folks there. Toby and I both attend there and uh, get to meet some of our viewers that stop in on their way through town or if they live in the Wichita area, they drop in and see us sometimes. Uh, we always enjoy that. Um, glad to have you. If you're looking for a church home in Wichita, uh, this is a great place to be, a great family of people at Northside. Uh, whatever market you're in, wherever you're watching Know Your Bible, there's probably a Church of Christ close to you. Uh, if you know somebody that attends a Church of Christ, tell them you watch this program and you enjoy it. And uh, thank them for providing it for you. All right, Toby, what's up here? question about the virgin birth. The question is, how could Jesus be born of a virgin? Well, that's a... Uh an issue for some folks. I really have a problem thinking that Jesus uh, is born of a virgin, but the scripture was quite clear in both the Old Testament and the New that Jesus was born of a virgin uh, as one of the signs of the Messiah. Some 700 years before he was ever born, Isaiah predicted that the Messiah would come and he would be born of a virgin. Isaiah chapter 714 is where that prophecy is and it says, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Now, I know some people try to explain that away, how virgin can't mean virgin and all of that. But, you know, the prophecy is clear that was to be a sign. Well, what kind of sign would it be if Jesus was, you know, or the Messiah was born just like everybody else? So uh, this was to be a unique sign, and it was to be the sign that, yes, this was truly Emmanuel, God with us. Uh, to a larger point, there are lots of things in Scripture, even though we're on Know Your Bible, uh, there are lots of things that happen in the Bible that I can't explain. I had somebody ask me uh, the other evening at church, uh, I said, how do you suppose the loaves and fishes miracle happened? Do you think the bread just regenerated there in the baskets and fish and all of that? And we were talking about that, and at the end of that, I said, you know, I, as with most of those miracles, that's why it's a miracle. We don't get to know how it happened or how God did it uh, until we get to heaven someday and we can sit around and ask those questions. I'm sure we could spend a lot of time, but that's just the point. We can't explain it. It's supernatural. It's, it's beyond the natural order of things. And that's the very same case with the virgin birth. The good news is my understanding, my full understanding, is absolutely superfluous to <laughs> the fact that it happened. I don't have to fully understand everything for it to have happened, and there's lots of things in the natural world. I go into a room and turn on the light switch. I'm not an expert on electricity. I don't know exactly. I couldn't explain to you uh, how the, uh, the switch plays the process in getting electricity to turn on that light bulb. I don't know it expertly. I just know when I flip the switch, it works. And um, so there's a lot of things in life like that where our understanding of it, if we think about it, we really don't have full understanding. You get in your car, how many of you know how to rebuild an engine? Probably not. Uh, but we understand, we trust the process. Well, Scripture, we got to trust the process, and the prophecy was clear that the Messiah would be born of a virgin. Uh, imagine how small God would have to be if he could only work within the box of my limitations and my understanding. 
Now, he wouldn't be able to do very much at all. In fact, he wouldn't really be God then, would he? Uh, even Mary herself did not fully understand how this is all going to work. I love her interaction, but uh, with the angel. Let's look at this on the screen from the book of Luke, chapter 1, verse 34 and 37. Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, For nothing will be impossible with God. Yeah, we, we understand that with us, we don't have to understand with us, we can't even do that, but the angel got it exactly right. With God, all things are possible. So that's my answer. That's how he was able to be born of a virgin, because God can do it. Always kind of amazes me when people try to explain away miracles. Yeah. Uh, you, you read some preacher or commentator every once in a while, and I admit most of them are probably trying to denigrate Christianity, yeah. uh, but still there's some that claim to be Christians that spend all kinds of time and effort trying to explain, okay, how did Jesus walk on water? Yeah. Uh, well, the Sea of Galilee sometimes had these mud flats in it, and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> maybe it looked like he was walking on water. They spent all this time, and it's a miracle. Yeah. Come on. That's the point, right. <laughs> Yeah. You, if you want to figure it out physically, then you're getting rid of all miracles, which yeah. I guess is the ultimate goal some way. But anyhow, it always strikes me as strange. Yeah. I'm going to explain a miracle our way. All right. The viewer says, don't most religions tell us to love our neighbors? Well, I am not a comparative religion expert. Uh, Got a, seen a few books on that and read a little bit about the great religions of the world. Uh, and so I would say from my limited knowledge, uh, yeah, in general, probably most world religions uh, have something in there about getting along with your neighbors, uh, functioning in your society and treating them right and all that. I mean, that's a pretty basic concept. Uh, I'm not sure every religion has that. Uh, there are some that we know of pretty prominently today that are, are pretty harsh toward neighbors. Uh, in fact, you can do all sorts of things to your neighbors if they don't believe the way you do. You're justified in killing them, uh, justified in lying to them, justified in all sorts of things uh, if they don't worship the God that you do in the way that you do. So I'm not sure all world religions have that, but I'd, I'd agree with our viewer that most world religions have something in it about uh, loving your neighbor, getting on with your neighbor, and, and all of that. Now, more interesting to me is why did our viewer ask this? Uh, maybe they just heard that and wondered about it, but a lot of times something like this is used uh, in an attempt to say that there's nothing special about Christianity. Uh, all religions have some of these basic things in them. So all religions are made up by mankind, and Christianity is just another one, just one among many, and there's nothing special about it. Well, if that's what our viewer was asking about or, or thinking about, uh, let me say this, that's one way we can think about things like that. We can say, well, there's a similarity between religions, so they're all man-made. Uh, there's another way to think about this. Uh, what if the Bible's right? What if God really did create all of mankind, 
reveal himself to mankind and put in all mankind a moral conscience about the basic ways to live. Now, that's what the Bible says happened. If God created everyone, uh, revealed himself in many ways to everyone, and put in everyone a basic moral conscience, then wherever you were born, whatever man-made-up religion came up in your area, whatever, it would have these basic foundational moral things in them, wouldn't it? Okay. So when we see similarities like this, uh, maybe we could think of it that way. That, okay, all religions aren't man-made. There's, there's one source that the desire for religion came from. Uh, man was had inborn in him a desire to worship, a, a desire to have find a higher being, all of that. So wherever man went, that's what happened. So uh, I don't know why our viewer asked this question, but just, I just wanted to point that out, that uh, just because most world religions have some basic similarities uh, doesn't mean they're all man-made. It very well may mean that it all came from one original Je Jehovah source, and I think that's the answer. All right, Toby, take yes. us take us to the movies yeah, here. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, viewer asked the question, is it bad? to watch scary movies and then they want to know specifically about demons. Well, unfortunately, I really can't point to a verse that specifically gives you, uh, points out, you know, um, even addresses the question of movies in general, let alone your specific genre you mentioned. Uh, so uh, when we have topics or questions that aren't really directly in the Bible, then we have to go to thinking and discerning and using wisdom to apply the scriptures and to apply the principles of scripture. So a few of those, I think. Um, one is Proverbs 4.23 says, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. And this is not just specifically to movies with demons, but um, just movies or anything you watch or listen to or read, uh, even people you have conversations with. Your mind is one of the most powerful creations on earth. And I'm really convinced that God created it in such a way that whatever you put in there is what it produces. So uh, we have to be careful. And the Proverbs says we have to pay attention to it and guard it and protect it, not just watch whatever's on, go to whatever movie happens to be showing. Well, use some discernment. If you're going to a movie and not sure what it's about, maybe look up the reviews and look up the trailer and think about, would this be good for me? Would this be good for my family? You know, that's, that's guarding your heart, protecting it a little bit. Um, another aspect is, you know, pay attention to, I mean, it kind of depends on you. You know, if you came out of the world of the occult and uh, you're a Christian that's come out of that world and it really bothers your conscience, yeah, that, that might have an effect on you. I probably wouldn't go see it. Uh, it might really have a negative effect on your faith, and certainly we want, want to do that. So pay attention to your, your conscience and know where you are on that. And then finally, generally speaking, we ought to think on the good things. Uh, this is a verse from Scripture we'll put on the screen, Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Just in general, 
it's good to watch wholesome material and to watch things that build us up and encourage and uh, uplift our faith. So I hope those principles are helpful to you. Uh, no verses specifically about watching movies about demons. Hope that helps. <laughs> All right. Good advice. If you ever want to know, is it bad to watch scary movies? Uh, probably won't condemn you forever, but the flip side of that, is it good to watch scary right. movies? Is it helpful? Uh, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's answer our trivia question for the day. Who wrote the first five books of the Bible? That's called the Pentateuch. And Moses was credited with uh, writing those down. God revealed it to him, and he wrote them down. Glad you've been with us today. I hope you come back next week. Till then, have a great week. Know Your Bible has been presented by the Churches of Christ in your area. Churches of Christ are non-denominational, and each congregation is an independent group of Christians seeking to do God's will. Our goal is simple New Testament Christianity. We follow the Bible as our only guide. Contact us with any questions, and we encourage you to visit a Church of Christ near you.